With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 9 of Snarleyow by Frederick Marriott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A long chapter in which there is lamentation, singing, bibbling, and dancing. It may readily be supposed that the first question asked by Mr. Van Slyperken on his gaining the quarter-deck was if Snarleyow were on board. He was received with a military salute of Corporal Van Spitter, for Obadiah Cobble, having been left commanding officer, had given himself leave and, with a few men, had joined Bob Short and the first party at the Lust House, leaving the corporal as the next senior officer in charge. The answer in the negative was a great mortification to Mr. Vanslyperken, and he descended to his cabin in no very good humor, and summoned Smallbones. But before Smallbones was summoned, he had time to whisper to one or two of the conspirators, He's gone. It was enough. In less than a minute the whisper was passed throughout the cutter. He's gone, was syphilated above and below, until it met the ears of even Corporal Van Spitter, who had it from a marine, who had it from another marine, who had it from a seaman, who, but it was, however, soon traced up to Smallbones by the indefatigable Corporal, who considered it his duty to report the report to Mr. Van Slyperken. Accordingly, he descended to the cabin and knocked for admission. In the meantime, Van Slyperken had been venting his ill-humor upon Smallbones, having, as he took off from his person and replaced in his drawers his usual finery, administered an unusual quantity of kicks, as well as a severe blow on the head with his sheathed cutlass, to the unfortunate lad, who repeated to himself, by way of consolation, the magic words, He's gone. If you please, sir, said Corporal Van Spitter, I've discovered from the ship's company that the dog is gone. I know that, Corporal, replied Van Slyperken. And, sir, the report has been traced to Smallbones. Indeed, then it was you that said that the dog is gone. Now, you villain, where is he? If you please, I did say that the dog was gone, and so he is. But I didn't say that I knew where he was. No more I don't. He's run away, and he'll be back tomorrow. I'm sure he will. Corporal Van Spitter, 
If the dog is not on board again by eight o'clock tomorrow morning, you will get all ready for keel-hauling this scoundrel. Yes, mine here, replied the corporal, delighted at having something to do in the way of punishment. Smallbones made up a lacrimal face. It's very hard, said he. Suppose the dog has fallen into the canal. Is that my fault? If he's a-gone to the bottom of the canal, that's no reason why I'm to be dragged under the bottom of the cutter. Yes, yes, replied Van Slyperken. I'll teach you to throw paving stones off the wharf. Leave the cabin, sir. Smallbones, whose guilty conscience flew into his pallid face at the mention of the paving stones, immediately made a hasty retreat, and Vanslyperken turned into his bed and dreamt of vengeance. We must now return to the Lusthaus and the party on shore, and our first task must be to give the reader an idea of what a Lusthaus may be. It is, as its name imports, a resort for pleasure and amusement, and in this respect the Dutch are certainly very much in advance of the English, who have, in the pot-houses and low inns resorted to by seamen, no accommodation of the kind. There is barely room for Jack to foot it in a reel, the tap-room is so small, and as Jack is soon reeling after he is once on shore, it is a very great defect. Now the Lusthouse is a room as large as an assembly room in a country town, well lighted up with lamps and chandeliers, well warmed with stoves, where you have room to dance fifty reels at once, and still have plenty of accommodation at the chairs and tables ranged round on each side. At the end of the room is a raised chair with a protecting railing, on which the musicians, to the number of seven or eight, are posted and they continue during the evening to play when requested. The people of the Lusthouse furnish wine and spirits of every description, while cakes, nuts, walnuts, oranges, etc., are supplied from the baskets of numerous young women, who hand them round and press their customers to purchase. Police officers superintend these resorts to remove those who are violent and interfere with the amusements of others. On the whole it is a very gay scene, and is resorted to by seamen of all nations, with a sprinkling of those who are not sailors, but who like amusement. And there are plenty of females who are ready to dance with them, and to share their beer or grog. Be it further known that there is a great deal of decorum in a lust-house, particularly among the latter sex and altogether it is infinitely more rational and less debasing than the low pot-houses of Portsmouth or Plymouth. Such was the place of amusement kept by the Frau Vandersloosh, and in this large room had been seated, for some hours, Dick Short, Cobble, Jansen, Jimmy Ducks, and some others of the crew of His Majesty's Cutter Jungfrau. The room was now full, but not crowded. It was too spacious well to be so. Some sixteen couples were dancing a quadrille to a lively tune played by the band, and among the dancers were to be seen old women and children of ten or twelve, for it was not considered improper to be seen dancing at this humble assembly, and the neighbors frequently came in. 
the small tables and numerous chairs round the room were nearly all filled beer was foaming from the mouths of the open bottles and there was the ringing of the glasses as they pledged each other at several tables were assemblages of Dutch seamen who smoked with all the phlegm of their nation as they gravely looked upon the dancers. At another were to be seen some American seamen, scrupulously neat in their attire, and with an air distingue from the superiority of their education, and all of them quiet and sober. The basket women flitted about displaying their stores and invited everyone to purchase fruit and particularly hard-boiled eggs which they had brought in at this hour when those who dined at one might be expected to be hungry. Sailors' wives were also there and perhaps some who could not produce the marriage certificates but as these were not asked for at the door it was of no consequence. About the center of the room, at two small tables joined together, were to be seen the party from the Jungfrau. Some were drinking beer, some grog, and Jimmy Ducks was perched on the table with his fiddle as usual held like a bass viol. He was known by those who frequented the house by the name of the Mannequin, and was a universal object of admiration and goodwill. The quadrille was ended, and the music stopped playing. "'Come now,' said Cobble, tossing off his glass. "'Spello! Let's have a song while they take their breath. Jemmy, strike up!' "'Hurrah for a song!' cries Jemmy. "'Here goes!' Jemmy then tuned one string of his fiddle, which was a little out, and accompanying his voice sang as follows— all those who were present immediately keeping silence, for they were used to Jemmy's melody. "'Twas on the twenty-fourth of June, I sailed away to sea, I turned my pockets in the lap of Susan on my knee, Says I, my dear, tis all I have, I wish that it was more, It can't be helped, says Susan, then, you know we've spent galore. You know we've spent galore, my Bill and Mary have been we, Again you must your pockets fill for Susan on your knee. Chorus, my boys. For Susan on my knee, my boys, with Susan on my knee. The gale came on in thunder, lads, in lightning and in foam. Before that we had sailed away three hundred miles from home. And on the Sunday morning, lads, the coast was on our lee. Oh, then I thought of Portsmouth and of Susan on my knee. For howling winds and waves to boot with black rocks on the lee did not so well my fancy suit as Susan on my knee. With Susan on my knee, my boys, with Susan on my knee. Next morning we were cast away upon the Frenchman's shore. We saved our lives, but not our all, for we could save no more. They marched us to a prison, so we lost our liberty. I peeked between the bars and sighed for Susan on my knee. For bread so black and wine so sour and a sou a day to me made me long ten times an hour for Susan on my knee. For Susan on my knee, my boys, for Susan on my knee.